The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? We are from Arkansas, no. <laughs> hey guys, it's Future Tim. And Future Whitney. And we just wanted to reach back in time and address something real quick. Do it. We've seen our numbers go up, and we've had a lot of new listeners to the pod recently. Now, when we first started this, we've never done anything like this before. Not remotely. No, we've never recorded anything. I was a musician in school, but I never recorded anything. Um, so we started with some very cheap entry-level equipment. Bad equipment and Bad inexperience. Equipment. Absolutely. So I bought Whitney this like sound podcast deck years ago for Christmas, um, and it sat in our closet for years, went through a house move. We came here, we finally started using it and realized this thing don't work so good. <laughs> this ain't gonna work. <laughs> no, no, it was real bad. So we just wanted to reach back in time to anyone who's joining us for the first kind of chunk of episodes and just let you know, we know that our audio is a, is rough. We get it. We, we know. We, we, we're painfully aware. Painfully aware. And we look back so embarrassed at it. But we stick behind our content. Yes, I, I, I do. I feel like our content is great. So all we're saying is... We hit our stride uh, probably a few episodes into the pod, so just just stick with us. Yeah, just, you know, stick with us through the growing pains. I promise it gets better. And this was actually a huge moment of growth for me to jump into something without mind-fucking it to death and not 100%. being totally pre- prepared and mm-hmm. whatever. So um, I just appreciate if you guys do stick with it because... You know, there's something to be said about being one of those people that you're like, I was there for the beginning when yep. it sounded like two different volumes in a fucking tin can. So, <laughs> And then really bad Spotify tags. Yeah. Yep, so, yep, yep. Just stick with us. We promise you we feel like we stick behind our content and we hope you guys love it too. So we'll hit our stride. Hey guys, it's even farther in the future, Tim. By like 45 seconds. Yep. <laughs> I told Tim, I said, I want to say something. <laughs> so when we were recording this, I had to stop about four times because I kept saying we've had a lot of new users. And I was like, listeners, listeners. <laughs> I'm like a bad actor on like a lawn, like a movie or a commercial or something. It made me think of Joey and how he kept saying, mmm, noodle soup. And they're like, damn it. Like, mmm. <laughs> so Tim was noodle souping through that whole thing. And I, I was like, do we need a script? But anyways, I, I think we hard. made it through it. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks, users. All right. So welcome to episode three of Digging Up the Duggers. Welcome back. So the goal was, you know, the goal is always to get episodes out on Tuesday. But as we've said before, not always possible with our schedule. Tim's schedule specifically. My schedule. Yeah, let's be real. Uh, This week, we packed all of our stuff 
with us all in carry-ons yeah uh thinking you know we've been out of town for a family funeral totally we're like yeah we'll totally be able to record one night in the hotel room it was a little ambitious. Yeah. I was like, man, I could have saved so much space. I could have packed another pair of shoes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that didn't happen. But there was no way we could skip this week. Tim yeah. doesn't really know why this is so specific. Like, I just kept, I'm like, we cannot skip this week. He doesn't know. Why. All I know is the deep dive took a lot of research. And, um, yeah, so could not skip it. So we're, we might be coming at you a little bit later, but we're still here. And, yeah, I think it's... Uh, Time to get started. Absolutely. We are very excited to be back. I think as we've tracked some of our stuff on anchor.fm, kind of an ad, um, we've seen some new countries pop up. Yeah, I'm obsessed with checking like all of the analytics. I can't help myself. And it's exciting every single time I see a new country. And I'm, I'm, I think it'll always be that way. I think it'll stay that way. This week, particularly, like we have uh, Puerto Rico that's new and the United Kingdom that's new. And so, yeah, it's just really fun to see that there are other people digging up the duggers around the globe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's jump in. So, this next special is called 16 Children and Moving In, and it premiered March 15th, 2006, which is funny because it's only two days after the last episode we did the raising 16 children this that they're only two days apart which is why the repetition of shit is even more infuriating like than it i already have been like if you can't tell mildly annoyed by the repetition of shit oh yeah absolutely it's even funnier that this is only two days apart from each other and they're still like repeating the same things over yeah. and over it felt like a really big retread yeah. Um, even the amount of notes. The last episode I had like five pages of notes, and I think I barely have like one and a half on this one. But I feel like this is quite convenient because there's a lot to talk about in the deep dive. So I'm actually pretty thrilled that this episode is kind of bullshit and boring because we can kind of just move move along through it. We can move into the oof-yeesh part of the episode. Yes. So... From the very beginning, the first thing is Josh narrates this entire episode. Yeah. It's ugh, gross. <laughs> so it's, yeah, so that's annoying. And again, they start off with... Um, roll call. <laughs> always roll call. And then, you know, just stupid crap like, people always ask us why we have so many kids. And Michelle says, saying there are too many kids is like saying there are too many flowers. <laughs> Corny. Did you write that one down too? Oh, or yeah. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, then it goes to them mini golfing as a family and just kind of talking about the same thing. And then Jim Jim Bob says, we are so thankful for each one of them and each one of them are thankful to be here. Yeah. And I felt like that was like a sure Jan like moment. Like every <laughs> single one of your kids has been like, I'm so grateful to be here. Right. Like, okay. Like, I thought that was ridiculous. Michelle was like, we'd love to have more children. Yeah, she says we'd love to have more if possible. And she talks about how much harder it was. She's like, believe it or not, oh. it was a lot harder when we had just five. But now we all work together as a team. It's like, well, no shit, because now you're handing off all of your responsibilities. Of course it's easier now. I totally wrote the same thing where I... Word for word, I was like, of course it was more difficult with less kids. Which, to be honest, that was what my deep dive was going to be about. Okay. So that will come at another time. Ooh, I'm um, at the edge anyway, of my seat. So they, then they kind of talk, 
talk about like the house again about how it's on 20 acres that they bought and the goal is you know maybe someday each kid could build a house you know that's why they have that much land correct um they talk about how building the house as a family is the world's greatest way to learn and so i was like so child labor is again (laughs) front and center um they show them shopping again we don't need to talk about it because we see them shopping constantly i feel like we can move right along unless you have something really riveting no shout out aldi yep isn't an ad but should be an ad so they really get more into the building of the house and they talk about how they thought it would take a year and delusional at its delusion at its finest oh yeah you thought that was going to take a year and it's now been three years um they it's an all steel home it's like a kit that they bought it's gonna so then it's termite and then um safe and then fire safe right and it's funny because in the show they say that it's two kits that they put together but they're leaving out some information oh god it's actually that they bought two kits i know this from the book um that i read unfortunately it's for the craft (laughs) it's for the craft i have to remind myself um, in the book, they talk about how they bought two originally, and then I can't remember the specific details, but something when they were actually putting it together, something was wrong. So then the company like sent them out another one, and then they said, wait, what if we keep this last one and just buy the parts that would make it work? Oh, wow. And the company was like, oh, yeah, we'll give you these parts for like cheap. So they end up actually putting together three of them. Oh, so which that's how they get their 7,000 square foot house. It would have been like 5,000 or something like that. Damn. But um, it's so it's actually three, not just two kids put together. Um, so they focus a little bit more. They've shown him in the past, but they focus a little bit more on their friend Clark Wilson, yep. who is there helping them through the building process. And they said has really been like pivotal in all this. Mm-hmm. Please keep him in mind. Ooh. Uh, then it goes to a montage of all of the kids helping, which if you remember in my, uh, in the last episode where I mentioned Justin that has, that was the friend of Josh's growing up and has the podcast. Yeah. Um, he talked about how like he was around for some of these things and it was kind of like pick up a hammer or pick up this thing and move it over <laughs> here. They're like, just to get like content. It wasn't right. actually like full blown building days. They'd just be like, okay. look like you're building something. Right. So one, of the, one thing that Jim Bob did say is he was like, it's like eating an elephant. You just have to go one bite at a time. Yeah, great. Great, Jim Bob. Uh, so they got these montage of like the kids helping and I couldn't help but notice like the girls in their sandals in all this. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm hoping to God this is one of those fake ones that Justin kind of talked about or do they, but I could see them absolutely letting them like, operate machinery and sandals is that osha approved definitely not they i will say that they all had their own drill and yeah. they were like labeled and i thought that was kind of cute Let's well it, it's they said that as soon as you turned eight any kid eight and up had their own powered like cordless power drill and every kid that turns eight can clean a part of their parents room no that's just Jana. what are you talking about that is Jana only uh, so they talk about how they call in professionals to teach them specific skills. So they just kind of have like, you know, oh, the electrician came in and showed us this, yada, yada. The plumber showed us that. Um, and I do think it's funny because I feel like this was sort of like a almost like a made up moment. Remember in the I think it was the first episode where at the table they, they do bankruptcy. Yeah. So the homeschool. Yes. 
So this, I feel like, is another kind of, like, famous moment. I don't know if you um, remember the scene where Jim Bob is talking about putting the studs straight up and down. Yeah. And Michelle is like, perpendicular. (laughs) So I feel like perpendicular (laughs) is the bankruptcy moment. I feel like that was a a moment where she was like, oh, shit, we said this was a good learning experience building the house. Oh, we're learning. Oh, this is perpendicular. Play up the fact that we're learning a lesson. Play up the fact. I felt that was like her like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're learning. Perpendicular. (laughs) Do you have anything else on that before I was going to move into the asking kids questions? No, I loved that point uh, when they start asking all the kids like what they are looking forward to or what they want to see the most. I, I made a couple notes there. I, I made two notes. Um, first of all, just that specifically lots of mentions of more bathrooms. Yep. It, like that was multiple kids. Absolutely. And I'm sure you wrote this one too. Ready? I'm sure you did. Is it Josiah? Of course it's Josiah. <laughs> Would you like to say what he said? Did you write down the quote or would you like me to? So once again, they had this montage of all the kids being asked like what they want in the new house. And Josiah wants, quote, a place to hide so no one finds me. And I was like, you said a mouthful there, brother. Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't blame the kid one bit. And you'll see going forward, I kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for Josiah. Yeah. I feel and like why, a, why is that? You'll see, I don't want to talk about it now. We'll okay. See. You'll see. All right. We don't need to get into that now. But, yeah. like, I feel like I have a soft spot for Jana, kind of ginger a little bit, and Josiah at this point. But we'll okay. see. We'll see. Um, maybe my, maybe my it'll change. See how it goes along. Okay. So that's kind of that part. They go into jurisdictions a fucking gen. They go into the buddy system again. I don't feel like we need to recap that right now, do you? No. Okay. And that that goes back into the kind of the, the general nature of this episode where, God, there was so much retread ground. Yeah, so I was like, oh my God, I'm over this already. But they do kind of a tour. It's, this is before the house is done, but they're just kind of doing a tour of some of the stuff that's there already. They talk about how this house will have two kitchens there's like the nice kitchen in the front. I mean, is it nice? It's really not. But it's like it's, the real home kitchen. But that still has like two of everything in Correct. there. And then they have like their industrial kitchen, which um, this is uh, good savings. I'll give them that. Agree. 11K in restaurant equipment that they got at auction, I think he said. Yep. That's actually worth like $100,000. So Was it buy, used, and save buy, the difference? Buy, used, and save the difference. Yep. Yep. And they were buying like legit professional kitchen equipment. Like, like there was like a little flat top and like a really nice range. Um, um, they have like the the dishwasher. Michelle have, was all about that dishwasher. About dishwa- like that bitch has done like like that bitch has done dishes in years. Are you kidding me? She's like my kids can wash dishes so fast in two minutes. <laughs> uh, and but the only thing that I'm like ew why they have like one of those like industrial like cup holder things like you would see like qt like which you'd pull like your polar or like you know you're pulling like your polar pop out of like yeah right. they have one of those on the wall i'm like who wants that in their house like <laughs> ick Ugh. um so then more in talking about the setup of the house so they're going from you know what this like two thousand square foot house right to seven thousand square feet still only going to be three bedrooms though because they're doing it like dormitory style yeah there's a big girls' room, a big boys' room, and then there's Jim, Bob, and Michelle's room that Jana cleans. <laughs> each The boys' room and the girls' room are each have two bathrooms. Yep. So to hear that there's going to be nine bathrooms total, it's funny because you're like, 
but that's five between all the bedrooms so it's like <laughs> yeah. then there's like four downstairs i'm assuming it's a shit ton of bathrooms my god <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> merp um let's see when they were when they were showing uh jim bob and who is it Dwayne, their contractor friend that was helping oh, yes, them finish yes. um it was kind of this stage thing where they were looking through the house and kind of talking about things they they liked about it and they kind of mentioned the bedroom thing um but one of the things it was a really awkward moment because jim bob was like uh let me let me show you this area i'm really excited about it's the goodbye room. Oh, God, yes. And then Dwayne is like, what's a goodbye room? And he was like, it's that room that you stand in for a while and say goodbye. It felt like it was like, Dwayne, get the hell out of our house. I felt like he was just like, oh, I'm being forced into this. Like, oh, you're going, well, what is this? What's that about, Jim Bob? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then Jim Bob, like, awkwardly puts his arm around him. And, yeah. Like, it was, yeah. I felt like it was, like, oddly threatening where he was like, get out of my house. <laughs> Um, I have a different take on that, so that's interesting. Um, but moving into the next portion, they actually have a designer named Deborah yeah. that she comes in to help. And I want to point out that Deborah's wardrobe was very nineties. The like it was, it felt like it was like bell bottoms, like low rise bell bottoms and stuff. It felt very aged. Um, so designer Deborah comes in and she's just kind of asking them what they want at first. And the boys say that they want airplanes and quotes from founding fathers. <laughs> the girls basically are like, I'd like a little house on the prairie and, you know, things like that. <laughs> uh, Jim, Bob, and Michelle are I looking know. at paint colors and they choose oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate. I'm like, besides like the cult, like Wonder Bread being a paint color. Yeah, that's was like Miracle Whip on thing. Wonder Bread like out at Home Depot? <laughs> so, but they're like, oatmeal has a little bit of color to it. You know? <laughs> oh, God. So that was them getting spicy. Woo. <laughs> uh, then they go to the furniture store with the kids with like the oldest digital camera. Like you kind of forget that digital cameras <laughs> used to look that way. And they're supposed to take pictures for Deborah. Yep. And all I can think of is like, oh, this is just such a made up thing. And the people that are working the store are like, get out of here probably. Like, <laughs> um, so that's kind of that. Then they, again, talk about how the rental they're in is set to be demolished. But Jim Bob gets it um, extension, gets an extension for eight weeks. So he, like, he had a very furrowed brow talking to them on the phone. Like there was this stage thing of him being on the phone, being like, uh, can we, can we stay here a little bit longer? It's he, felt- he's moving his hands. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, there was, he was, you know, really wheeling and dealing. Uh, so then they're, I don't, they kind of jump around in the way that they like show off parts of the house. It's kind of odd. Yeah. So then they jump to this part where they're talking about how Josh is going to have his own AV studio. Ick. <laughs> And he says, no Rugrats allowed. Yeah. The one thing in between that that I thought was interesting was they talked to the contractor. And uh, he said that working with them is fun, but they keep changing their minds. It's taken double the normal time. Yeah, he says every project has been double the time. Yeah. So I, I do think that's interesting that they seem very, like, pointed in, like, their beliefs and in like their thoughts of what they want to do and the way the house is. So it's staged in a way where they were like, Nope, they have a plan and it's going to happen. And then when you kind of get that little inkling into the behind the scenes, the dude's like, they're a mess. They're a fucking mess. Oh yeah. He's like, nah, it's taking forever because they keep changing their mind. And when they, when they actually say it with Jim Bob in the area, Jim Bob just kind of like laughs it off. Like, ah, we can't make our minds. 
as the contractor, he's rolling his eyes when the guy's like, Mah. Yeah. So then there's, like, obviously a big, uh, like, break in time, and it, sh- it goes to, like, six months later. And now designer Deborah is coming back. <laughs> and this is all actually also the first time we see Miss Cindy. Yeah. Um, she is Michelle's friend since, like, childhood or something mm-hmm. like that. But, again, just kind of funny rewatching. It's people that I didn't pay attention to in the beginning. Not okay. saying that she's anything crazy, but just uh, way later in the series, like, when the older kids are starting to get married, mm-hmm. she, she like, helps them, like, um, like plan their weddings and stuff. Okay. So it's just kind of funny to see, like, someone. I was like, oh, she was there from way earlier than I ever remembered. She did feel very, like, live, laugh, love. Yes. She was yep. definitely that person. Um, so we see Miss Cindy and then Deborah. The this shows them doing like decorating. The girls' room is oh, it's horrific. It's got horses and butterfly murals all over the walls. It feels like you walked into a Michael's craft store. It's so bad. <laughs> and but did you catch them uh, putting the, their names on their beds? Yeah, I saw her like rubbing the vinyl off, and it was like Jana or somebody, and she like rubbed the vinyl off, and it was all on I there. could think of was like it reminded me of like. The seven dwarfs in their beds. Like, it's like sleepy and, you know. Uh, so, Jana would be. And, Jana would be cleany because yeah. she's cleaning her mom's room. But, like, I'm like, they probably need to have them there because, like, they're probably, like, tucking them in at night. And Jim Bob's like, uh, good night, uh, Jill. You just have to make the J sound and then mumble, like, when He's you don't like remember somebody's their, name. Looking at the end of their bed. He's like, good night, Jessa. One of the weird parts about this was they show, like, the laundry room. So they went from having, like, a very basic, like, normal laundry room um, to having, what was it, four washers and four dryers? Yes. Um, And when they're showing that part, they're like, oh, we have it all set up. It's going to have this. And the quote that Josh gave was, oh, look at all these washers. Mom's in heaven. Mom? Jessa does the... Yeah, mom ain't doing the laundry, first of all. Second, it's sad that, like, you built this entire, like, compound, and you're like, nope, mom's most excited about the laundry room. Which is a part of a deep dive, actually. Oh, God. No, so I'll, you know, you'll see. Um, But back to, so we talked about the girls' rooms. The boys' rooms are terrible. <laughs> it's got an eagle mural. It has airplanes hanging from the ceilings. Yeah. There's bandanas fucking everywhere. Which they built themselves. I, yes. There's they, a little thing little... of Jim Bob with the boys at like a craft store and they were like picking out models that they mm-hmm. would like so. They've got cowboy boots on the walls. There's lassos on the wall. I mean. Once again, Michael's craft store. No, it is like America to the like the only thing they're missing is like a don't shred on me like flag because it's like the the muted child version you know (laughs) later on it'll have more of that (laughs) later on it'll have a lifted truck with a you know but no truck nuts though no truck nuts uh then they show jim bob and michelle's room which i don't understand the need for all the murals (laughs) <laughs> because there's like a tiny little like nook nursery you know in the yeah, corner like under the stairs where it's like a 45 degree angle yeah and it's got like a cloud mural it's like so many murals yeah can we also point out that the room seemed oddly small it's yeah it's an odd room for like a gigantic like comp creepy compound their room is tiny 
that's better for Jana, though. So <laughs> I, I think that all we're ever going to talk about is Jana cleaning her parents' room. We've somehow mentioned it 400 times every oh, episode. Oh, Jana. Jana, you're instantly my favorite. I know. I, you know, I do. I really have a soft spot for her. But it's during this scene that Jim Bob, of course, cannot help himself, and he has to say, huh, baby number, number 17, huh? Like, cause when they're showing the room, it's like, Homie's DTF. God, when is he not? <laughs> Spray that man with water, damn it. <laughs> um, so one part that I did enjoy about the house is that they show their pantry and it has a roll-up garage door. Yeah. And they talk about how that's, you know, easy for unloading after grocery trips. And I'm like, if, I mean, I wouldn't mind that myself. And like grocery store shelves. Yeah. That was the thing. There was like two or three rows of like grocery store shelves. Um, just you already touched on this. Just four washers and four dryers now. Giant walk-in family closet because they do not. Their like bedrooms are for like sleeping. They do. They keep clothes downstairs and all that stuff. So you got to put those khakis and polo shirts somewhere. Yep. Um. Then at the very very end, Deborah surprises them with a grand piano, which is mm. something that they had wanted, but they said they thought it would, they'd have to wait a couple years. So that Correct. was like the big surprise and all that nonsense. And is there, okay, obviously this is, we're just kind of going through this because it's really not that interesting. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add before I give like the closing scene? I just put a uh, look at Deborah's 90s jeans. Um, and then my note that I've actually said a couple times now where, uh, the kids' rooms look like a Michael's craft store. You know when you go into like the paint area and they're trying to show you examples of like how to paint the walls with like a sponge. Oh god, it was they were so into sponge. This was you know what? That's what it is. I think the murals are an offset of that sponging type yeah. of like my sister had a majorly sponged house and uh like her first house. Like Damn. It, was, it was sponged in several areas. Calling her out. So I think this was like the mur- murals are worse though. They're just <laughs> But, um, so then the, cl- the ending scene is Michelle in the girls like room reading a book. Oof. This one was raw. And like, like legit. I think Joy's wearing like a legit bonnet. She is. Wearing- yes. Yes. She's like wearing a bonnet and she's reading some clearly like child book. Yeah. And they've got like the teenage girls sitting there gazing at her. And then there she's like, good night girls. That was creepy as hell. You put creepy music to that. It would be a horror movie. It, yeah. It was just an odd scene. Like I was like, <laughs> okay. I mean, it was totally staged, but it was just so weird. And I know we're watching on YouTube. Um, but like the episode just kind of ended there and you know how when you watch YouTube and like it starts an ad at the end of a video, like that came up and I was like, okay, there's like more episodes. Nope. That's it. And the ad played and then it started something else. Like it ended so weird. And I know it's YouTube, but it was kind of creepy to have it end with Michelle going, good night girls. It was weird. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, so that's it for the summary of that episode. Like I said, not that great. Not too much to... I mean, I feel like we'd seen all of it, so... Yeah, it's, I definitely a retread when it came to, like, the look how we shop. We get it. We've watched this twice. We know um, what jurisdictions are. We know what the buddy system is. Yeah. And you've been I, moving to this house for three fucking episodes. <laughs> I do think... Um, as much as obviously it was, it sounded like it was a disaster for the contractor. And um, I, when they were showing like the plumber and the electricians, like showing the kids to do stuff, I feel like, I feel like those uh, craftsmen that were doing that were like, 
am I getting paid extra to teach your damn kids how to do this? Like, I just want to finish this job and move on to the next one, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think it was fascinating to look at, like, the house that they were able to customize. I thought that was interesting. Um, but, yeah, I I could do without a lot of, like, the staged, like, perpendicular. I could do without that. So. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that kind of sums that up for us for right now. And we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll do the deep dive. So for today's deep dive, I'd had a topic in mind that I was luckily hadn't actually started doing all of the in-depth work yet. Thank God. Because the thing about the deep dive, sometimes they'll be inspired by the episode. Other times it'll just be background information that I feel like we need, you know, for to learn. But then like this time there's stuff happening in the present. So we had to do a little bit of a flash forward because this is happening right now. And I feel like we can't not address this. So, um, for people who are kind of new to this, most people have some sort of base understanding if you're listening, but maybe you don't, maybe you're like Tim. So the thing about Josh Duggar is that, you know, he has been arrested, um, he was charged and he was found guilty of, um, child sex abuse material crimes, right? And he's been in jail this whole time awaiting his sentencing, his sentencing is on the 25th, so next week. We're a week away from right now when we're recording Ooh, this. Oh, man. So I kind of wasn't tracking anything leading up to that. I've just been looking forward to the 25th this whole time. But on the 11th, a few days ago, uh, the, what's it called? Um, the memos, the sentencing memos came out. So it's when both sides are presenting what they think his sentence should be to the judge to kind of, you know, to take into consideration. So I have read all, all of that. Uh, prosecution was 32 pages. The defense was 32 pages. And then I read all of the letters, which we'll get to later as well. So I have poured through all of that and I'm trying to give you guys more of a concise summary of it all. So let's hop right in. Let's start with prosecution. Okay. So the thing about his, uh, like he it goes it ranges anywhere five years would be the minimum 20 years would be the maximum of course prosecution is going for the 20 year max which is great i'm glad that they're at least you know trying for that so uh the, the kind of summary in the beginning that they give of why they're asking for the 20 years is that uh he has prior exploitation of mul multiple minors oof that he, which we know to be, you know, his sisters plus the babysitter, so five overall. They talk about the extraordinary efforts he took to obtain the material. Then there's the nature of the CSAM, his effort to conceal his criminal conduct. And then lastly, they note his refusal to take accountability or acknowledge any of his criminal conduct. Which he must have gotten from his parents because it seemed like there's, there's a lot of that... Uh we're not gonna we're not gonna take responsibility. Nope. So that's kind of the overall summary, and then we get into the enhancements portion, which enhancements are sorry, I look, basically just things that like how you can get extra years tacked on. So they're saying like, oh, because of this, he should get this, and there's different levels to them. So the first enhancement is because of distribution of child pornography. 
And by the way, I'm using the actual wording in the legal document. I've, like I said, I've since learned to not try to use the word pornography, but when I say, if I say it at any point going forward, it's because I'm actually quoting things from the, Correct. from the documents. So, um, they're saying that it's distribution because of the peer to peer file sharing that he was doing and that, um, he's familiar with it. And ultimately that's how the de detective caught him. That's how he was caught was because of the peer to peer, um, file sharing. Which, just to give people a little bit of backstory to understand what it, what happened, so Josh has his own car lot, like used car lot, and it was on his work desktop that he installed a partition so that he essentially has two computer systems on one desktop. So there's the Microsoft Windows side that like the general person person would like see mm -hmm. the general operating system. And then he down he created a partition that has like a is Linux is that how you say it Linux? yeah and that's um that's the other side and that's like a key command type thing to open like yeah. somebody would have to know it's there and key command it open you don't just like I wouldn't just be able to get on his computer and be like oh here's another correct it's like hardcore incognito mode exactly. <laughs> through Google Chrome so he installed that and he was downloading stuff from the dark web on this computer and through the peer-to-peer -peer file sharing it pinged to a detective who Correct. then traced it to his ip so that's how it was found to begin with and mm -hmm. you know i don't know a ton about it but i know like so people are probably gonna be like screaming if i'm saying this wrong somewhere <laughs> but isn't it kind of like they call it like seeding right and it's like more people that are downloading it the faster you can download it i think Correct. i think yeah. it's like how limewire worked back in the day when we all yeah. diseased our computers oh god kazaa limewire napster yeah you wanted to download a lincoln park album <laughs> and you would hope that more people had parts of it because then it would download faster for everybody okay so i think that's that's basically how this is working that's right? correct yeah. okay so that's i mean that's how he was even caught and so of course when they did their raid so th this was in like may, um may of 2019 and then um his car lot was raided in november of 2019 just more okay. context for context for you um they they also took his personal devices of course mm -hmm. so his laptop was taken his phone was taken and they're saying that they show history on his laptop of using the same type of peer sharing um, as far back as 2017, as far as I can tell. Who knows before that? But they Correct. know that it was at least uh, as far back as 2017. Which he probably assumed it was a little bit safer because it was his work computer. Like less, less other people in his life would be trying to use it if it was like a work computer. Oh, totally. Some, that reminds me totally something I should have mentioned. Ooh. Um, the reason, so he on, I, good job, Tim. He's like, he's like giving himself kudos right now. Um, so his devices have a system on it called Covenant Eyes installed, which is icky. That's just such an <laughs> icky name. But it's because he's had such a past, you know, history of porn addiction and, you know, things like that. And when he had his whole scandal, you know, a few years back, ever since then, he's had this software on his devices called Covenant Eyes that reports all of his activity to an accountability partner, which of course is his wife, Anna. So she installed that? Like they did, like they did, they both did. Like it's like a, it's a thing that they did together. 
like which which feels so weird which is something like, but like a lot of um religious people who have like when they stumble you know they always call it stumbling yeah. when they're stumbling this is how they remain accountable and mm. um so the reason he had to like to get to this stuff that's why he had to create that separate partition because it actually i forget i may have it in my notes somewhere else but at some point it shows that on one of his other devices he tried to download like torrent type mm-hmm. stuff utorrent yeah and um Covenant Eyes blocked it. Which you said that the stuff that he had behind the partition was Linux-based. That's a completely different operating system from Windows. So Covenant Eyes is probably associated with Windows. It's looking at that. If you install a completely different operating system, it doesn't even know it's there because it's just looking in the Windows files. Yes. So that's why he's even doing this to begin with. Um, So, yeah, good good on you. Made me remember that part. So there's also mention, uh, so we ended at like talking about how there's evidence of this peer-to-peer type stuff back to 2017. And then um, in these documents, they go on to mention some of the testimony that they have from Josh's trial, which includes Jim Holt that we, you know, talked about. He's mm-hmm. Bobier's um, husband <laughs> and he was in the first episode. Shout and out, then, Bobier. Uh, <laughs> and then also mention of Clint, Bran- I am so bad with la- names, I Branham, Branham. Um, Clint, he actually is like an expert, like computer IT person guy, and he grew up being friends with Josh. And he, they both had, you know, testimony that the government say qualifies Josh Duggar as a quote power user, which means that someone with more advanced computer skills than the average person. So they're saying uh, all of this is like he's completely capable of accessing the dark web. So that's kind of the end summary of that enhancement. So the next enhancement is enhancement for a material that portrays sadistic or masochistic conduct or other depictions of violence. Mm. Yeesh. Uh, so this is where I, I am going to give trigger warnings. Yeah. It's going to get graphic, and actually it was more graphic than anything I had read previously about any of the stuff. Oh, damn. But... I think it was important that they included this in this memo. To show the severity. And I think it's very important that even now, even though it's disturbing, I do. Th- I think it's really important it's, you know, for the judge to re- be reminded of this and all of us to be reminded that this is all serious, serious stuff. Yeah, and if you, um, obviously this is not positive subject matter. Um, it's pertinent to what we're talking about, but um, if that is something that you kind of want to avoid, we will put time tags um, in the episode description just to make sure if you don't want to hear any of that or you just want to get past it, we'll make sure that we put time tags so you know when to kind of fast forward to. I want to be respectful, but I, I do want to talk about some of these things. Absolutely. So the reason... So these are the material he has are prepubescent type material. So I feel like that is a really important distinction because this isn't you're like, oh, I thought she looked 18 to me. Like, oh, she looked 18. There's a huge difference between that and obviously prepubescent minors. Like, I mean, you can't even try to talk your way out of that to me. Like, it's. Crazy. And this and the stuff that you've told me kind of leading into it is like it's labeled that way. Like yes. it's labeled oh, that way so you so can, we'll you're specifically looking for that shit, you know. So um so some of the things depicted, so obviously they're talking about sadistic and masochistic 
Oh, I can't Ooh. talk right Welcome now. Welcome to um, the uh, oof yeesh yeah. part of this episode. So it shows these young, young girls, prepubescent, being penetrated vaginally and anally by both objects and adult erect penises. Um, it shows these young girls being locked in dog cages, um, bound by rope, whipped, and with knives around them and like a blood-like substance. Not sure if it's real blood or not, or something, you know, like fake for perform. You know, like they're like they're trying to put it because it's they're written on with this like blood-like substance. It's it's terrible, terrible stuff. And another part that leads into this sadistic type things is the inclusion of the file referred to as DD. And I'm quoting right here. This file was described by director Bottrell. I don't know. I can't talk. I don't know. As one of the most offensive series of CSAM that he has seen in his career, depicting adults sexually abusing a toddler, hanging the infant by their hands and feet and dripping hot wax on them. So it's pretty terrible. And I'm going to kind of go into that a tiny bit right now. So Dee Dee, uh, I'm not going to say the name because it kind of seems like it's almost a internet rule to not say the full name. Yeah. It seems to be referred to as Dee Dee everywhere. You can easily look it up the way I did to find out the full name. But I'm just going to keep going with what I'm seeing and not say it. Maybe not good to search on your phone or computer. <laughs> I mean, about I that. have, so. <laughs> um, You're but, on a list somewhere. But if you look up the, I'm going to be talking about the guy. And it's like once you know his name, it's easy to find out. So the thing about this particular film is that it is so bad. It was large, like, largely considered a long time to be an urban legend. Damn. Like people were like, "There's no way it actually exists because it's so terrible." And this video was created by a man named Peter Scully. Um, he was an Australian man that fled to the Philippines for other, he was, um, he had other non-CSAM related charges, but that's why he fled to the Philippines. And, uh, while he was there, he created a website that was known for its hurt core videos. And DD is the most notorious of them all. And back then it was being sold pay-per-view for up to $10,000. Good Lord. So that's why, you know, and it's like, think about it. If it's considered the worst of the worst, and this is some of the stuff that Josh had, that's why they're like, this is serious shit. Like, this is big deal. Um, but Peter Scully was arrested, and he's in prison in the Philippines. And the interesting thing is that the Philippines has, they did away with the death penalty back in 2006, but prosecutors are working to try to bring it back in his case. Because people are like, we fucking want him dead. Damn. He, he's, and I watched a, I actually was wondering, I maybe I'll take a vote on it. I, I'm really brushing through this, but I feel like I could do a whole episode on him. Um, I don't know if that gets too far away from the Duggar, so I don't know if people will be into that or not. Right. But, um, yeah, I watched a S- Australian 60 Minutes episode on him. And you know, Tim, I watch a lot of this type of stuff. And he's disturbing. Like... The way he just sits there and stares and some of the stuff he says and just seems so like out of touch with it and kind of smiles while he's saying things like it's it's like not remorseful at all. No, he's disturbing. So, um, yeah, I, that's to that on that video and him. But 
like I said, largely, like, people didn't even believe it existed because it was, it's so terrible. And the things that I just saw even in that 60 Minutes video, crazy. I'm going to give that two oofs and three yeeshes. So we'll move on to the third enhancement, which is the enhancement for engaging in a pattern of activity involving the sexual abuse of minors. So obviously this is referring to his previous molestations. And it, like largely in this part of the document, they're referring back to Bobby Holt's testimony. Mm -hmm. And they say that, quote, there's well-documented confessions to engaging in multiple acts of child sexual abuse. Um, and then it really just kind of details all of the things that she talks about in her testimony again. So then we'll move on to the fourth enhancement, which is the enhancement based on the number of images involved in the offense. So we'll get to Josh's team and their stuff after this, but they say that there's only 127 images. Because that makes it better. I, that's I know, it's disgusting. It's less than 200. <laughs> so... Apparently, 10 images to 150 images would be a, a level two enhancement. Um, but they're saying, the prosecution is saying that their evidence shows over 600 images, which would be a level five enhancement. So uh, it goes into detail about different zip files and the image counts in each, and that they were both downloaded and viewed. But like, kind of like you were talking about, with like the naming of the files. I'm only gonna name two. There are some that don't aren't as specific. Some of them just say like a name. Right. Obviously like the victim's name and things mm -hmm. like that. But like some of the files are named fourteen year old girls suck and fuck or pedo mom. Like oh, God. you know what you're downloading. So um Josh attempted to delete some of the files after viewing them, but those left behind thumbnails. Of course. So uh in the prosecution references another case where thumbnails were considered sufficient evidence. So they're like, we don't care that he deleted this stuff. It still counts towards the image count. And it also proves that he had it on there at one point. Yes. So they're saying that all of this adds up to over 600 images based on hundreds of images and at least seven videos. And it wasn't in this court document. I read it somewhere else, and I can't remember now. But I read something about there being some sort of conversion where, like, videos – um, they equate those to like 75 images and then as the minutes go up in the video that multiplies yeah, yeah so that's how they come up with image counts based off of videos and pictures damn so some poor paralegal had to go how many how many images does this equal in a video of this awful awful thing i know so after the the specifics about all the enhancements that they're asking for they kind of just give a summary of additional information that's just like hey remember this to like to the judge Oof. so remember that the so the car lot was raided on november 8th 2019 and so they show up and they're raiding the place and it's before josh has even been interviewed nobody has even given any kind of indication of the nature of the search and why they're there at all oh, damn. and josh says has someone been downloading child pornography? <laughs> oh, my God. So they had to throw that in there to be like, this dumbass. <laughs> I think and somebody stole my meth. <laughs> right? Um, later in, the, in an interview, Josh admitted to being familiar with peer-to-peer -peer programs like Tor. 
and admitted to being um, on, like, having that on both his computers. So, like, his personal and his work computer. Uh, Get this. That Linux partition used the same password he's used for years on his personal accounts. Oh, my God. It's like Intel 1988. (laughs) (laughs) His birth year and then Intel. Oh, my God. Um. I think at one point they even argued it wasn't exactly the same. It's like, I think another one, they're like, they like moved the two around and like it uh, counts. <laughs> um, it was Josh Duggar 1994, not Josh Duggar 1993. Completely different. <laughs> totally different. Uh, and then, of course, they just point out the great lengths that he took to ob- obtain the CSAM to and then like to avoid detection. So they're like Duggar's, his criminal, the, the activity was deliberate, precise. Right. After viewing it, he quickly deleted them. And they're like, this just all proves the point that he didn't just like somehow stumble across all this stuff accidentally. Like it was very intentional. Yeah. Like he was trying to download like a Christian rock album. And somehow he got the most, you know, the worst of the worst of all time. He was trying to listen to DC talk, yeah. you know. That's probably too too out there for even the Duggars, which is <laughs> ironic. So risque. Yeah, right? So they go on to say that while he uh, like currently has no previous criminal record, they say that we know he's molested, you know, these minors before while they were sleeping and that while like this sentencing of course isn't about that specific thing. They say that, quote, this past conduct, when viewed alongside the conduct for which he has been convicted, makes clear that Duggar has a deep-seated, pervasive, and violent sexual interest in children and a willingness to act on that interest. And try to cover his tracks. And, yeah, it just shows a pattern of behavior. Absolutely. On top of everything else, it's like not only did you, f- not only did you find it, you also tried to cover your tracks, and you tried to get more, and you were using peer-to-peer, and, you, like, there's just so tra- many ands. And, and it's, like, over, like, a three-day period that this all happens from when he creates, like, the partition, and then is, like, downloading files, and then, like, gets rid of, it, like, and then, like, they're, like, it's so purposeful. It's, like, get it? Like, do, like, in a three-day period, like, you're, oh, that that's not all of, it's not all this crazy um, coincidence that this all, sh- you know, right yeah. when you were creating this partition. Like, it's nuts. Yeah. And it's, I I think part of it, too, was, like, if you said it only went over three days, it's that thing of, like, I'm going to get this, I'm going to consume this media, and then I'm going to get rid of the evidence so nobody knows. Yeah. Um, so they kind of start to, then they say that the, they ne- the need for the sentence to reflect the seriousness of the crime. And how Thanks. just because, and I like that they included this. They're like, just because this isn't an act, we have, we're not, he's not being convicted right now and sentenced for actually doing it himself. Doing, yes, but they're like, that does not in any way lessen the seriousness or the impact that it's actually had yeah. on the victims. Changes the nature of what the actual crime was, but it doesn't make it any less bad. Exactly. So they kind of go on to explain the impact and trauma that it has on the victims. And then they give a statement of the mother of one of the children in one of the images. So I'm actually going to read that statement. So I think it's impactful. Is it it something we should put another timestamp on? Um, I don't think so. Okay. She says, I can find no words to express the fury I feel at those who participate in this evil 
or my scorn for any attempt to minimize the responsibility by feeble claims that the crime was victimless. Mm. Getting all choked up. My daughter is a real person. She was horribly victimized to provide this source of, and she has air quotes around it, entertainment. She's exploited anew each and every time an image image of her suffering is copied, traded, or sold. While the crime is clearly conscienceless, did I say that right? Consciousness yep. <laughs> or whatever. Um, it is hardly victimless. I asked my daughter what she wanted to ask of the judge. Her request, please don't let them pretend no one's getting hurt. Yep. She had some words for the defendant as well. Oh, God. Okay. Don't you know no one should do that to a little girl? Don't you know it hurts? Um, as the mother of a child victimized by this crime, I would ask the court to take into consideration the damage done by this heartless crime to my daughter and others like her. Are, can people even hear me? <laughs> like, just like, um, including those children who still wait for someone to rescue them for their exploit from their exploitation and have no one here today to speak for them and impose a sentence that takes into account the full impact of the crime on the victims. Oof. I'm all getting all choked up. Well, yeah, because, I mean, everything about this is awful. Like, let's be real. Everything about this is awful. Um, and I I feel like you, you see um, a lot of, like, criminal investigations or, like, trials, and once again, like, these these statements of what the crime was kind of exist in the ether and we we imagine you know the victims of these things and i think you're it's it's rare but it's also very like heartbreaking and eye-opening that you are hearing from somebody whose life has actually been affected by it um and has seen how much trauma exists not only because of the act, but also the fact that there's people that are sharing this and like over and over. And it's almost that thing where it reopens that same wound every time this comes up or every time you see somebody else get arrested for the same shit. Like all of those wounds just keep getting opened and opened and opened every time. Yeah. Know? And it's like, it's called a victim impact statement for a reason because it's like, it does, I, it does to me, it makes an impact where it's like, this is not just things you're reading off a paper. Yeah. Like this is, this isn't just a list of things that they did or like whatever. It's like, this is like truly correct. Who it affected. There's real people involved. Yeah. Both good and bad. Yep. So after that statement, they kind of close it out. They just talk about expressing the need to protect the public and that there, there's no reason to think that Josh is low risk, but they said, even if you were to consider him low risk, low risk is not no risk. You said 20 years is the maximum? Yes, and they're going for the full 20. Damn. Which is not enough, but... <laughs> like, um, I'm not saying I'm not saying capital punishment is good, but, like, there are certain instances where you're like... Mm. Nope. So, um, I need a little tiny bit of a break before I get into defense. <laughs> so, let's take a break real quick, and we'll be right back. Okay. So, after I got over the crying... Oh, man. Um... Now we're going to get into the defense's sentencing memo. So, of course, they're asking for the minimum, which is five years, because it's uh, they want sufficient but not greater than necessary is what they're asking for. 
This is why lawyers have a bad reputation. Exactly. I'm like, how? Ugh. So it's basically as disgusting and, and as infuriating as you can imagine it is, this whole thing. One of the very first lines is, quote, the f- 34-year-old father of seven who stands before this court for sentencing has led an ad- admirable life while navigating unique challenges associated with being a public s- in this public spotlight since childhood. Are you fucking kidding me? I feel like that gives me Forrest Whitaker eye when, when I hear that. Admirable, they call it. So now is kind of their, they talk about some of the same enhancements, but from their end of like, no, no, no. So the first one, the enhancement of distribution, where they talk about the peer-to-peer um, file, like sharing. They say, quote, there's absolutely no evidence that Duggar knowingly distributed anything. So they say that most of the images, so disgusting, most of the images were possessed for a short period of time and deleted shortly after allegedly, allegedly being downloaded. Still don't make a difference. Yeah, like, like, that's what's so sickening about all of this is like all the, you're like, oh, and that's better? Like, what the, oh, he just, he only had it for a little while. I only cooked meth twice. Yeah. Um, and they said that they don't think that they should apply the enhancement based on alleged file sharing. Mind you, he talked about knowing about that shit and like, it's whatever. So I'm going to just move on to the next one, which is for the enhancement for sadistic and masochistic uh, conduct. And so the defense refers to a specific zip file of photos that was reported containing that kind of content. And they say, again, quoting, only a portion of that series was ever allegedly downloaded, which they say makes it this uh, insufficient for a f- level four enhancement. Only part of the files were downloaded. <laughs> I mean, there could have been more. It could have been more, but yeah. it wasn't. How gracious. How gracious that it wasn't the whole thing. The next one, the enhancement regarding his pattern of behavior of abuse towards minors they say that this enhancement is, quote, un- entirely unwarranted. Um, they say allegedly 20 years ago, he, uh, when he, you know, with these, with the molestation, molestations, they say that allegedly, and that was 20 years ago when he himself was a minor. So, Doesn't make it any better. Exactly. And they say that specifically regarding Bobby... Holt's testimony that they referred to a lot in this enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that the government has not provided any direct evidence that this is true, which I would like to remind everybody here. He fucking confessed to all of it. <laughs> he confessed this to Bobby, but they're saying they haven't said that's true. But like later on, Josh even has statements of himself saying like, like what they released when it all came out was him saying uh, years ago, as a teenager, I acted inexcusably. He has admitted to this. The whole family has talked about it. His right. parents have been on the news. Like mm-hmm. to suddenly act like this is alleged is insanity. Yeah. When everybody, Josh included, mm-hmm. has said it happened. Yeah. They've downplayed the fuck out of it, but they've all said it happened in some form or another. So in a public forum where people were there and they can experience it, they heard it. I heard it. It just infuriates me. Yeah. Like, it's, oh my God. So they say, even if you were even to believe Bobby's testimony, <laughs> it, quote, cannot be, reasonab- cannot be reasonably construed to constitute a pattern of activity. 
And then after that, they just double down again on it being 20 years ago and him being a juvenile himself. How kids you, will be kids. Like how you can say that there's no pattern here. Yeah. In fucking sanity. Yeah. This is like. I can't even how these people sleep at night writing this shit up. And then it's like people are like, that's lawyers jobs. But I'm like, I could not do that. I could not just sit there and write bullshit like that. Yeah, there definitely feels like there's a level of separation um, or like compartmentalization. I think you have to. How do you even? Yeah. How can you defend somebody like that? You're looking at it like a game where you're like, what can I prove? What can I not prove? How can I modify a jury's? like mindset looking like at all these technicalities and seeing uh, like yeah you have to look at it like a game or a challenge as opposed to like looking at it morally which is like and but these are people's lives so then it's like you playing a game with this is like i don't yeah. know it's anyways the I reputation to, is there for a reason yeah i just have to move on to the next thing which is the enhancement about the number of images and so of course they're disputing this they say it's only 127 images and I actually think I found it somewhere else in the, in all of this that I didn't write down. But like I think later on they even say that the median like number for arrests of it like in 2019 was like 4,000 images. Ooh. But so they're trying to use that later on, being like it's only 120. They're like even if it was 600, that's nothing compared to the median. Again, like this is somehow better. Yeah, it does. Having it all is a problem. Well, only the JPEGs count. The uh, the PMG files do not count. So you can only count JPEGs. Yes. No GIFs either. Yes. No GIFs, Only things please. with a J for that's, Josh. That's correct. Um, so they say there's only 127 and that, quote, attempting to access a zip file does not mean images or videos were actually obtained. <laughs> then oh they specifically, regarding the, the DD video, the worst of the worst we talked about, they say it was established in court that torrent files are not image or video files and are more like a recipe, which allows a computer to attempt to locate the actual file for download. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I think I kind of understand, but I kind of don't all at the same time. But I but I don't give a fuck. You had the shit for it. I don't care. This tech, this is the technicality type bullshit. That oh, yeah, that argument. So, well, I was drunk. I had open alcohol in my car. I had my keys in my pocket, and I was sitting in my car, but I wasn't trying to drive drunk. Yeah. It's, it, ugh. Yeah. So then they go on about another 30-minute video where they say he only watched the first 29 seconds of it and then deleted the file, and that those first 29 seconds contained no abuse, so this should not count at all. <laughs> oh, my God. It's also fucking weak. I can't even stand it. Two yeeshes. Um, so I just want to point out, so both of these, the defense and the prosecution, these memos were... These uh, memos were both 32 pages each. And, of course, like, prosecution, theirs is, like, 32 full pages of, like, hitting you with stuff. This only goes up to page 10 of this, and then they go into, like, the character type Ugh. stuff. Give this is where it's... Break. Okay, this is where I have to break into. So there are 21... Um, wait a minute. I'm Okay, so first I'm going to... I highlighted some stuff that they actually have in the document... Uh, and then later on, I'm going to kind of walk you through all of them. It is funny to see what they just, what the, the lawyers actually decided to pull from the letters as like things. <laughs> so they start off by saying that by, by no measure was his childhood typical. They say that he was, you know, recognized virtually everywhere he went in public. 
like honestly like before all of this shit do you think do you think that josh duggar was like known everywhere like you're yeah. kidding yourself they're just trying to play up this mm-hmm. crap um they say that growing up in the public eye he was criticized and lived under a microscope and it took a toll on everyday aspects of life for him and his family blah 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 they're trying to play up this like sympathy crap of course uh then they get into where people are actually like you know giving their character things so his you know little help wife anna she says that her husband is considerate respectful quick to forgive patient and genuinely the kindest person i know Oh, this next line gets me. Ready? She shares that he is an engaged dad who will gladly throw a football with his sons, listens to our daughter play a new song they they learned on the piano, helps answer homework questions, or lends a hand sweeping up spilled crackers. <laughs> like, homie picked up a goldfish, and so like, uh, <laughs> it means he didn't look at child porn. It's it's insanity. It's like that number one, Anna. Bare bones, basic shit. If you're a father, you you probably should help with homework. You <laughs> probably should fucking pick up a cracker or two. Um, and it's like, it's oh, and, he's, and he like will listen to their pants. Like, I mean, why yeah. why do they think any of this shit matter? Like, it's crazy. Um, let's skip to Anna's dad. Paul Keller here says his son-in-law is a truly fantastic daddy and truly loves his family. Oof. Gross. The fact that he said daddy. daddy. I, when me other out. adults call other people daddy, grosses me out. Ick. So he's a great TMI. daddy. Then his mother, Michelle, says Joshua is a loving and patient man, striving to be a blessing and provide for his family. Exclamation point. I say that because she has a lot of exclamation points. Well, that means that it's more true, right? Uh, yeah. He has also spent quality time with his wife and children, learning life skills together and going on family outings. Side by side, Joshua and his family have built forts, learned how to work on bicycles and other vehicles, gone camping, hiked, fished, and played countless games and sports. Together! Exclamation point. So he fucking camps with his family, and this means something to the judge. I know this is a serious thing that we're reading, and it's all kind of gross, but I kind of wish you would have read that in Michelle's voice. I, I, I thought about it, but I thought it would take a lot of effort. <laughs> The throat would have hurt. You would have needed a lozenge. Probably. So then I'm going to try to just paraphrase this one instead of actually yeah. reading it. But Anna talks about how um, they, someone that they know, a friend of theirs, passed away four years ago. And that Josh has quietly been supporting the widow and the children that they still have at home. And she said this is not because we have excess income, but because Josh has a compassionate heart and is willing to make personal sacrifice for the benefit of others. Just keep this in mind. Oh, God. Um, sorry, turning the page. Let's see what else some people have said. David Waller. So David is his brother-in-law. David is married to Anna's sister. Okay. So he says that Josh helped offered to help me finish a large deck project for our in-laws, giving his time and money during Christmas week to complete a large deck and with a handicap accessible ramp. Nobody gives a shit. And I, I'm just bringing this up so you guys can see what people think is worth telling a judge about him. Oh, I mean, you can tell that they're grasping at straws. And it also doesn't mean that he didn't finish that deck and then go back and masturbate to child porn. I Let's know, be real. Yeah. So then Michelle is quoted again. Joshua has a tender heart and he is compassionate toward others. 
If someone is having a difficult time, he is one of the first to encourage or try to help them in a tangible way. He and his wife and children have helped many others by doing cleaning and repair projects and lending a helping hand. But then after... Oh, here's a good one. I fucking love it. This this stupid thing. I just think it's such a hilarious thing to reference. So they go on to say that like character reference type things are are regarded as a you know as a thing and that they are used and uh, they literally cite the like the creator of Beanie Babies <laughs> and how okay. he had like major like tax evasion things and how like they let him off pretty easy because of all of his charitable work that he had done. And so, like, they literally reference this, like, his defense. is like, well, see, it worked for the Beanie Baby guy. And, you know, Josh <laughs> somehow, you know, throwing a fucking football and sweeping up crackers. <laughs> he should, see, it's the same hey, thing. he helped finish a deck project the week of Christmas. So. Good on you, Josh. I mean, it wasn't in July, let me tell you. Um, another time David Waller is quoted as being hearing his children cry themselves to sleep wanting their daddy to be home. Respectfully, he asked the court to consider how much his wife and seven children need him in their lives and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know who didn't need him in their lives? All those other children. Right. So that's where I've left off as far as um, just highlighting what they put in. There's some other stuff, but I just picked a few. But now... <laughs> there is so many papers rustling over I in this know. area. So there's 21 pages of the full like character letter reference type things that people sent in. And so a whole some, lot of empty yeah. in that 21 pages. So some that we quoted, some that we don't. But I just I, I went through and I highlighted. I just wanted to... I think it's... I don't know. I just think we have to talk about these things. It's going to yeah. be a long episode. I'm, start, I'm sorry. But okay. So the first one. Oh, so this is Anna's letter. Um, she talks about, she tells a story about how you know, people mean more to him than a quick sale and how, you know, because he has his car lot, of course. She talks about how he, he spends hours of his day chatting with various homeless people. All right. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Anna. Yeah, right. Um, of course, there's what I already talked about. She talks about how he sweeps up spilled crackers. And she, again, so they, that was just a little small part that they put in the big one, but it's in her full-blown letter that we find out who that person that passed away was. Okay. So it was four years ago that one of our good friends, Clark Wilson, the guy okay. that helped them build the house, is the one that passed away from cancer at the age of 57, and Josh has apparently been helping support his widow, Denise. So I just thought that was really interesting timing that we're watching that episode with Clark and yeah. then for this to come up. So um, not like it's not that it's super juicy. At first, people on Reddit, when it first came out, people were like, oh, my God, what if it's like a love child? Like, what if it's like an affair he had? And that's why he's supporting this widow. Mm -hmm. But I, no, it's 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 this lady that's like yeah. a family friend. Um, and then another story that she tells is about this guy coming to his car lot, needing money and offered to like pay to, like can you pay me and I'll wash the cars and then Josh let him come back and wash the cars on the lot all the time and then referred him to other car lots and now this guy has a business and it's this whole thing where I'm like everybody's jerking Josh off like he just like look at him changing lives all over the place like yeah you're not wrong yeah exactly you are changing lives all over the place <laughs> so okay this next one 
is a long one. And I don't even, this lady, Nicole Burress or something. So I skip over a whole page of hers, but I just want to tell this one story because it's absolutely, it's entertaining in an odd way. So she talks about how when she was pregnant in early 2020, she got COVID and that got her like going with like early contractions. So she says she visited the hospital, she, and quote, where the masked, masked doctor stood at considerable distance or gazed at me through thick glass before sending me home with instructions to pick up anti-diarrheal medicine to stay hydrated and keep the contractions at bay. She goes on to talk about how they didn't have any at home and all the stores were closed. So then her husband calls Josh and asks if he had any anti-diarrheal medicine. And Is then, that it? Is that a thing? Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call my name. Na- I wouldn't go to my neighbor's house and be like, "Do you have any anti-diarrhea medication?" So they call Josh, and li- listen to this. After searching his medicine cabinets top to bottom, oh. Joshua found the medicine and then offered to drive it over to our home in the dark hours Saint. of the morning. Before 3 a.m., Joshua had willingly risked exposing himself to a pandemic disease that everyone feared. And that I was miserably suffering from. Even though my gown-donned doctor stared at me from behind a door, Joshua drove to my door to compassionately hand over medicine to ease my dehydration and end my contractions. Saint. Saint, that one. So, it's just like the, the drama of it. You had fucking diarrhea, and I know she like, gave her contractions and stuff. But like, this idea of him like going into his medicine cabinet... And bringing over medicine. And it's like, but he shouldn't go to prison for CSAM because he brought me diarrhea medicine. He searched that medicine cabinet top, top to, to bottom. bottom. It's not like he just looked on one shelf. Like, he looked through all three of them. Okay. <laughs> People on Reddit were calling her the diarrhea queen. And I was cracking <laughs> me up. Um, Donna diarrhea over here. Are we still in the same? Okay, so same lady. She's got a really long letter. Damn, she thinks what she says is real important okay this is i'm sorry i have to i'm sorry that this is so long but some of these just need to be said she said she was at at anna's house like a few weeks before when joshua called he devastating from jail he devastatingly shared that there was a man who was verbally threatening and abusive to him every time he passed his cell in solitary confinement joshua was discouraged and prayerful but just days later the man approached him to apologize this hardened criminal stated that he and the other men knew, and she italicized knew, knew that Joshua was innocent. As inmates, they recognized that sometimes innocent men are in prison, and they were so stunned by Joshua's character that they were convinced of his innocence. Wow. Like, the delusion of all this. Oh, yeah. Is beyond. Let's be real. Homie's going to get the shit kicked out of him. Oh, he's going to. If, oh, if he, he doesn't will. get fucking murdered. You know, yeah, seriously. These are the type of like they they straight fuck you up over, you know, this type yeah. of stuff. So now we're going on to David Waller's. Um, he was quoted a couple times in the in the actual document. He's the one that I said is his brother in law. Right. So he talks about the fucking dick like we talked about. Heck and no. again, Saint. with the drama. So. David Waller has this whole portion of the letter where he starts every sentence off with, it was Joshua Duggar. So it, <laughs> it was Joshua Duggar that sponsored an automatic gate closer for the entrance to their home, the, the in-laws. It was Joshua Duggar's kindness and generosity that has allowed me to purchase vehicles at cost, including a Honda Pilot 
that my wife and I enjoyed driving for a number of years as our family vehicle. Gets worse. It was Joshua Duggar that went out and spent several hundred dollars to decorate and organize our laundry room to make it efficient and beautiful. Oh, my God. Why the <laughs> fuck are we talking about your laundry room, David? <laughs> Nobody cares about your laundry room. No. This judge, if I were a judge reading this shit, I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? I really hope at one point the prosecuting lawyers get up there and use that exact same verbiage where they're like, it was Joshua Duggar. It was Joshua Duggar. I would love it. And again, he also talks about the money giving $2,000 a month for a number of years to the struggling widow. I'm like, maybe that's something you can put in there. But he says that like right after talking about the fucking laundry room. Like, <laughs> these people and their priorities. It's hilarious. Um, I think that's enough of that. So we talked about going into Anna's dad. We talked about how he, you know, calls him a great, truly great daddy. Yeah. Uh, this one part stuck out to me. He said, I've spent a lot of time watching Josh's character over the years. He is very gentle, kind, and polite to everyone I've seen him in contact with. I have never seen him blow up in anger. So for me, the thing that's str my struggle is that he's talking about his character and then these positive things. So you think Josh has positive character, right? This is the same man that cheated on your daughter and was on the, what you know, you'll find out later, was accused of like violently having sex with this woman. Mm. Um, embarrassed your entire family. You knew when she got married to him that he'd molested people, but you're calling that a person of character. Yeah. All of these things that have come out about him, but he's mm. still a person of character. Blows my mind. And I would feel sad for Anna that her father's saying this, but you know, she loves this letter. She's into it. So it's like, nope. I don't even, it's crazy. I think it's just that weird, like, um, I always talk about, like, the sunken cost fallacy where you've invested so much time and effort and money and, you know, whatever it is into a thing that if you've invested that much into it, even if people are showing you facts to the contrary, you are you are going to just dig in harder because you're like, I've I've invested too much in this to give up now. That's how that feels. Like, well, and like and Anna, she's been told that like you have a covenant marriage. There's no way out of it. And here's like, this is how it is. And God right. just gives the biggest trials to his best, you know, like the, his biggest soldiers. Like it's that type right. of shit. So it's like they're just going to they just double down harder on everything. Yep. Um, so now we're going to go into Michelle's. I'm actually her letter is like seriously like so surfacey. It's kind of funny. Like I felt like other people's got way more like deep into like. She's the one that's talking about like the camping and bullshit. Well, what could you, what could she say? Like they didn't do anything about it when it was happening, and they sent him away and shaved his head. Yeah. So one of the things she says is Joshua has always been a positive and upbeat person. He is wise financial. Oh, that reminds me. Somewhere in one of these letters that I didn't actually highlight, somebody said he's the first person to say howdy when you walk in the door. <laughs> if Joshua Duggar said howdy to me when I walked through the door, I would turn around and leave. Ick. But, no, uh, thank you. She's an upbeat person. Uh, he is wise financially, saving money for the future, and not going into debt. Nobody gives a shit. You, th I just, the what they think of a, is like a good idea in here, is beyond to me. And then, um, of course, there's the lines about the the bicycles and the forts. 
And the big kicker of it all is at the very end, when she goes and signs her name, the uh, she dots her eye with a little heart. Oh, Michelle, I wouldn't expect anything less. That's what you're going to send to a judge. Your little... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, another person talks about how he admires and respects how hard Josh works at the car dealership to provide for his family. And then later in the letter says, when Josh's oldest son, Michael, came one day to tell his dad that he also wants to own a car dealership someday, our hearts just melted. Oh, God. That's that's really something there, right? Okay, this next one is from LeCount Reber. You don't know this, Tim, but when after Josh was arrested before his trial, uh, he had to go, He like, you know, he had like a monitor and he yeah. had, you know, very specific timelines of places he could be, mm-hmm. but he couldn't stay at home. He could see his kids as long as Anna was there with him, but he couldn't see other kids. <laughs> and he had to Safe. stay somewhere. <laughs> right. Oh, because I'm sure she's protected them so well this entire time. Yeah, no shit. Um, so he was staying at the Reber's. And so this is some of the stuff that LeCount Reber is saying. He said that um, during his time there, I would often see him playing games, reading a book, constructing Legos, playing basketball, throwing a football, or taking walks with his wife and children. Okay, again, we're back to bare minimum bullshit. They all act like if like if Josh goes away for more than five years, like their kids will never throw a football again. <laughs> like they keep talking about like throwing a football. And, you know, like he goes on walks with his kids. Like, why is this so special? Why is this spectacular? It's his- not. His kids are never going to drop goldfish crackers again. Um, they, he talks about how he was very conscientious about following the rules. And that it was interesting to see that Joshua always seemed to have a good attitude throughout the discouraging c- circumstances he was facing. And he, like, he always looked for ways to be helpful. Uh, I love it. He goes, for example, Josh took the time to clean up our carport and created space for us to park our cars. Oh, man. And then he also says that uh, he saw that our kitchen cabinets needed some attention. So he brought some wood conditioner and put it on the cabinets. And this is the stuff they're sending to a judge. Then you know they're grasping at straws. Um, another person says that they they uh, were allowed to borrow his like motor home for two months and that they brought it back with a blown up engine and like the rip the the roof like peeling off and they're like and he wasn't even mad (laughs) it's so random yeah it is like these things that they're writing and then one of them was like oh yeah we were in a wedding and we didn't know what to do with our kids and so josh and anna watched them and they fed them lunch number one (laughs) Uh. like it's like number one key here is probably josh and anna and anna yeah that's exactly what i thought but like what are we doing i'm sorry i'm going on but it's like i just i i think uh the thing that keeps going through my head through all of this is that they're you know they're bringing up these individual like cherry picked instances that he did something kind for someone oh yes but that's also with the understanding that both of those things can coexist. Mm-hmm. He can do nice things for someone and be a trash human being exactly. and have these other things. Like that this doesn't negate the fact that he's a trash human being. Totally. And um I have I'm gonna go through my very last letter and then we'll kind of touch on what you just talked about a little bit more. So this last letter, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the husband of the diarrhea queen. 
Um, Debbie Diarrhea. And his is extensively, it's like four pages long. Nobody else's has been that long. Like his is, he goes into so much crap about like, you know, again, playing up to the, he didn't ask for this life. He's so criticized me in the public eye. I would never want that. Nobody asked you. We don't care. But like, he just gets into this whole thing about, oh, poor Josh and the life that, that, you know, he's been exposed to with all these people watching him. Um, at one point, he says he doesn't claim that his family is perfect. In fact, he willingly and publicly admitted to past sins and errors, yet shares his struggles in overcoming and is ministered to countless others through that. So everybody's just putting him up on this pedestal like, oh, well, he's talked about, you know, all the things that he's done wrong, blah, blah, blah. And they think that he's something special. And seriously, it is pages and pages of nonsense that's not even worth quoting. Until the very end, I just want to say, very last oh, paragraph. Man. He says, Josh spends his days now leading men's Bible studies in prison twice each day and a nightly prayer call with numerous other inmates. As he continues to serve the men around him, I ask you to consider if his actions truly match the nature of this man as he has been presented to you. Um, yeah. I think that the evidence does show exactly yeah. the nature and character of him. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks. I don't care that he does fucking Bible study in prison. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, touching on the same thing that you were saying, as like, as I go through these letters, especially like some of them are so insane, the sweeping of the crackers and like, you know, like, oh, they fed our kids lunch once. Like, right. <laughs> it's stupid. Once. <laughs> like, it's stupid. But I really focus on the... Um, sending the financial assistance to Clark Wilson's widow. Right. Because is that a, a very nice thing to do? Yes. Mm -hmm. No one's debating that. But this just made me think of, and I can't remember where I heard it, but it really stuck with me when I did. And it's that it's easier to believe that good people can do bad things than it is for us to believe that bad people can do good things. Agree. And that totally stuck with me because I'm like, it's true because the other, you know, the one that's easier to deal with is like, oh, well, we're all human. We all make mistakes. So we're good, but we Correct. just do these bad things. Yeah. You make bad choices. Yeah. But then it's, you know, but if you actually have to think that like a bad person is capable of still doing good. Yeah. I think that's way fucking scarier. Well, I, I, I think a lot of like situations like this, like you were talking about watching that video of that awful person with the video you know with that one yeah um and you talked about how like it it felt like there was no remorse like there's more like sociopathic type things there where it's um like cut and dry bad per bad like, yeah you know. like there's no remorse there's like a lack of like human empathy and a lot so you can of write them off a little more it's like fully just like nope you're filed in the file of bad 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 and that's it correct but when people come in this wrapped up in like the good stuff around it too yeah people have a hard time and i'm not even just saying all these people these people in the writing the letters and his fan like they're delusional yeah. like i'm not trying to <laughs> that is my that is my feeling they're delusional correct but just like on a new human nature side like yeah you don't want to you don't want to believe that like bad people could do you want to be able to think that you can pick out the bad easily correct so for these people they're like Oh no, there's no way he's bad. Look yeah. at all these great things he does. Of course. When in reality, it's like he, like you said, they can coexist. He can do both. He can f pick up crackers and he can, you know, 
build a deck during the week of Christmas and still be, yeah, you know, abusing children. Yeah, and I think it's also the, you know, you have the stereotype of like trying to cleanse your soul of like your sins when you come from like a religious background. Yeah, and I feel like that's part of it too. Where obviously he's doing this thing that's bad on multiple levels, but it's the as as long as I do these other good things, it kind of makes it okay, and or like it 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 appeases some of some of absolves some of my sins because I help somebody build a goddamn deck. Like that doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Like it doesn't. That doesn't negate both of those things can exist at the same time. Where you're a trash human being, but then you're also doing nice things for people. Like, Absolutely. That yeah. none of that negates the other. And. You know, people talk about him being charismatic. It's like that helps you fly under the radar more. The more good you do or the more you're, more you're trying. I mean, I don't think he's charismatic at fucking all. But <laughs> obviously some of these people think he is. Yeah. And it's like that's what helps these people get away with this stuff. Yeah. That's also why he's the ar- as arrogant as he is in yeah. doing the things that he does. Because he has all these people saying he's a yeah, good they guy. they tie into his bullshit. Yeah. Like, and what's even crazier is after all the years of like – you know, people knowing all these other scandals and these yeah. people still like are like, but look yeah. at him, he's such a great guy. Like yeah. it's And I don't think you can you can get rid of the fact that there is like a community level to it. Um, you know, our ideas and opinions on religion aside, like there is that thing where like you find community in religion. You find um, you know, a group of people that are like you you know, they believe the same things, they they have the same background, you know, and I, I feel like you're less likely to think negatively of somebody who's in your own community, even when faced with so much evidence and so many things through the back. It's a lot easier to sweep that under the rug because you're like, no, this is this is a reflection of me because they're in my community as well. You know. Yeah, so the rest of us, you know, us women wearing pants, that's an issue. But he can do Even. all this, and it's like, but he built a deck. You wearing those pants is so slutty. Where is your floor-length dress? My jean skirt, you mean. <laughs> okay, so I think that kind of sums it up. Again, I apologize for it being so long, but there's just so much going on right now. And I just yeah. felt like some of those details were pertinent to understanding the delusion of it all. Yeah. And I really wanted to give a pretty good summary of what those court documents um, yeah. were talking about. So, And it's also going to be very, very in the limelight very soon. Yeah, so I we're, think that's, we're a week away from sentencing. So. Yeah. So I think for me, once again, one of the uh, kind of like pillars of this podcast is that I have no previous uh, knowledge of anything. I have no tell you the truth no interest in this family like from before so coming at it from a very fresh perspective um i appreciate all of the work that you did in the deep dive because let's be real i'm not gonna do that deep dive <laughs> stuff myself um other Duggar sleuths are there are other people that are sleuths they're like oh we know all this this was for the people that didn't read all these things yeah um, there's definitely going back to community. There definitely is that community, you know, once again, shout out to like Duggar snark and like some of the subreddits that, you know, that are out there. I know, uh, before we decided to do this podcast, I know Whitney spent a lot of time on all of those boards and, and met a lot of people that were as horrified yet interested that she was. So, um, I think it pushes a lot of conversation. I think it's a, 
a interesting look into kind of just society in general and kind of like you know family perspective yeah this is so much i think that's what makes this interesting is that it's so much more than just a creepy family with a million kids there's so (laughs) many things to dive into that are like so much deeper even aside from just some of the josh stuff it's the indoctrination it's the it's the purity culture it's i mean there's just endless things to talk about the awful fashion choices i mean if you want a couple episodes about fashion we can do that too (laughs) i mean the, it's it's definitely um, eye opening from somebody who is not in this at all. So um, as much as I was never interested, thank you very much for uh, joining me on this journey and doing the doing the real work. <laughs> I watch the episodes and try to say funny things about them, uh, but like Whitney's Whitney's really digging in deep. It's like an it's like an ogre or an onion. It's like an ogre or an onion. There's lots of layers. Got it. That's a Shrek reference to oh. all those 90s kids. <laughs> Clearly, I straight over my head. Okay, so I think that we've taken enough of your time for this week, so I think we'll close it out. Um, once again, look for us on all the socials. Uh, the Instagram is... Digging up the Duggars pod. Uh, Whitney usually posts a good amount of kind of supplementary um, items throughout the week, so uh, we'd love for you guys to comment on that. Uh, if you have any uh, any words, send us a message. We're we're always down. I believe we have a, an email address now as well. Digging up the Duggars at Gmail. Yep. So once again, find us on Anchor. Find us on Apple Podcasts. We're uh, getting onto Google Podcasts this week after I get a couple uh, a couple issues taken care of, um, and once again on Spotify. So. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this extra long deep dive episode and that's it signing out have a great week